0: if you would, this evening and turn to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16 this evening. Exodus chapter 16. We'll start with verse 1 of Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 1. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after their departure, parting out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, And when we did eat bread to the full for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger father thank you God for the night and as we look at this murmuring mob help us to look at our own lives examine ourselves help us to examine ourselves you tell us to examine ourselves so that we won't be judged may we examine our own lives and ask ourselves do we struggle with complaining do we struggle with murmuring do we struggle with uh, casting blame on a party that doesn't deserve the blame Oh God examine us Holy Spirit of God speak to us help us to be honest with ourselves show us the truth forgive us of our sins and help us Lord Jesus to turn to the truth the right I pray in Jesus name amen for <clears> the <throat> tiny you'll like this a group of students at Harvard once tried to fool the famous professor of zoology professor Agassi they took parts of a number of different bugs and with great skill attached them together to make a creation they sure would baffle the teacher On the chosen day, they brought it to him and asked him to identify it. With great care, he inspected it. The students grew more and more sure. They tricked this genius professor. Finally, the professor straightened up and said, I have identified the bug. Scarcely able to control control their amusement, they asked the professor, what is the bug? The professor said, it's humbug. <laughs> it's, it's humbug. <coughs> oh, we, as we look at this uh, murmuring mob uh, had, who hasn't been out of Egypt, as the Bible says, they turned their, they took their journey from Elam, and all the carnage to Israel came in the wilderness. They've not been out more than two and a half months, and now they're murmuring. Remember they had murmured before. They'd come just a little piece, and they drank some water, and (laughs) the water was bitter, and they murmured against Moses, and we talked about that, and after they went through that place, they they went through Marah and came to a place of Elam. Elam, of course, was a was a, a, a pleasant place, a wonderful place. And remember, as a conclusion of last week's message, I said sometimes you have to go through the bitter to get to the sweet. You know, everything's just everything in life just doesn't work out just all perfect in life. Every, every, every job, every relationship, every situation is not going to be perfect. That's that's not that's heaven, that's not earth we do not live in utopia we live in the United States of America and it's sad and it's bad it may get worse (laughs) in lots of ways if you've been looking at the temperature of things recently and so it is sometimes in life sometimes a Christian has the idea just because I'm saved everything is just gonna go okay I don't think they read much of the Bible I think they have to skip the book of Job (laughs) I think they have to skip the book of Psalms. I think they have to not read much of the writings of Paul the Apostle because all these dear believers suffered, went through difficulty, went through hardship, went through pain. And as I mentioned sometimes, sometimes it is the very will of God for us to suffer. I think I talked about that this morning. It was the very will of God for Jesus Christ to be crucified, to have to go through the press, to have to go through the agony of making that decision not my will, but thy will be done. It was, it is his will, oftentimes for us to go through trials and troubles and difficulties don't get this idea from false religions and there's false religions teaching that if you're not healthy something you're not you're not right with God there's false religions out there telling me if you're not wealthy healthy and wise that you must have sin in your life that's a false gospel don't listen those, don't turn on those channels on that TV and, and start watching those channels and believing that because that's just that's just a lie folks that's not Bible truth that person man or woman is lying to you. That is not the truth. Now, sometimes, can we because of our sin find ourselves unhealthy? <laughs> well, obviously so. Because of our sin and our turning away from God, can we get ourselves in uh, in painful and difficult and horrific situations? Certainly so. But just because we're going through that does not mean that we've sinned. The children of Israel are going in the place in the path that God Himself is leading them. He led them them to a place where there was a time of bitterness and maybe improperly in your life there's been times of bitterness maybe it's been a relationship maybe it's been a work situation Maybe it's been a financial situation. Maybe it's been some other difficulty in your life, a health issue. You had to go through the bitterness. And through that bitterness, you learned like you would never learn before to trust God more. For it's only in those difficult times, in those hurtful times, in those painful times, that we truly, really cry out to God. And so here they are. <clears throat> Chapter 16, after going through this time of bitterness and going to this oasis in Elam, now they're further down the path and they come to the next place, leaving Elam, and the whole congregation lifts up their voice and they murmur against Moses and Aaron. So we see, first of all, this perturbed people in verses 1 and 2. <laughs> God's people here are not reading the manuals how to win friends and influence people. (laughs) No, they're not saying very nice things about Moses. Remember, who was the one who delivered them, of course, always by God's hand. But the deliverer that God chose was Moses to deliver them out of slavery, out of the bondage of Egypt. So the Israelites are, are murmuring. They're blaming Moses and Aaron for their their problems. And what are they doing? What are they saying? Verse 3, we see the perturbed people, but they're pining for the flesh pots. They're they're longing for the food of the world. And remember, Egypt is always a picture of the world. they They say, would to God we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots, when we did eat bread to the fill <clears throat> for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole congregation with hunger. They were longing for the food in the old place. How many times is we as Christians who get saved? I mean, we get born again. I mean, we get saved, we join a church, get baptized, get involved, and all of a sudden we start longing for things of the world. We start longing for the old haunts, we start longing for the old habits. We start longing for the old hurting things that that damaged us and, sh- and hurt us in the past we start to long for those things <clears throat> Well, their friend how much better how, how much better is it to replace those things with righteous things instead of going back to those things but friend if you don't replace the evil that you did in the past with righteous and proper and good things you'll go back to the past if you struggle with bad music you don't replace it with good music you'll go back to bad music if you struggle with bad entertainment you don't replace it with good entertainment you'll go back to the old bad entertainment if you don't replace your evil and wicked and murmuring and complaining and gossiping and backbiting and treacherous friends if you can call them friends with good Godly people, dear friend, you'll be stuck with the, unwick, the wicked, unrighteous, complaining crowd. You have to replace the old with the new in your life. You have to replace it. These people were pining after that which was behind. The Lord allows our supplies sometimes to run low or run out to test what manner of spirit we're made of and what, what is the strength of our faith. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 24, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, Paul writing from prison says, But my God shall supply all your need according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Our extremities, dear friends, are God's opportunities. Our extremities, what we need is an opportunity for God to meet that need. You can look at it and be bitter and mad and sad and get mad. Or you can look at it as an opportunity for God to work in that situation. It's a choice. I heard a story about a man who was a truck driver in a large city. He was he was driving down the road in his truck, and every truck and every stoplight, the one thing he would do, he would get out of the truck with a baseball bat, he'd beat the side of the trailer at the back of the truck with all his might. The person behind him jumped out of the jumped out of the car in his stoplight and said, Sir, what in the world are you doing? He said, Oh, the answer is simple. I have a two-ton truck and I'm carrying four tons of canary. That means I have to keep two tons of them in the air at all times. <laughs> <laughs> somebody looking at that might think he's mad and sometimes the situations we go through in life may seem crazy but dear friend, God has a method God has a reason God has a purpose if God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins so we can have everlasting life don't you suppose he cares about the path that you take don't you, care? Don't you think he cares about the job that you have, the wife that you marry, the friends that you associate with, the places you go, the hab- hobbies and habits that you have? Don't you think he cares about the very hairs on your head, though they may be fewer than others? He cares about us. The God of the universe cares for you. He cares for you. And oftentimes we forget that. We get bitter because we don't believe God likes us or loves us. And because we don't believe God. We don't have faith in God. We don't trust God. We begin to murmur. We begin to compare ourselves with other people and say, well, you know, so and so, man, they got this car and this car and this car and this house and this house. They ain't struggling. What about me, God? Oh, man. So-and-so have such a perfect relationship. Seemingly, why can't I have a relationship with my wife like that? Man, that guy always talks about how great his job is. Oh, I wish I could have a job like that. And before long, if we're not careful, we find ourselves bitter at God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, "Looking diligently, lest any man fought, fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. I can't tell you, folks, how many people I've met in life have been bitter. Bitter. Bitterness is like a weed that you don't see for a long time but it springs up in a person's life. It's seen in complaints, in unhappiness, in uncontentment, in frustrations, in lack of faith, in lack of trust, lack of Bible reading, lack of prayer, and if not dealt with, lack of church attendance because they get so bitter at God and eventually man that they have nothing to want to do with Christianity that they first believed in many years ago. Dear friend, you have to guard yourself against bitterness and guard yourself well because the devil would love to get any one of you in this room bitter because of circumstance or a situation believing that the God of the universe does not care. Oh, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now, if you're reading that, you think, well, man, that's, that's important. But the person who wrote that, Paul the Apostle, is writing that from prison. Do all things without murmurings or disputings. When's the last time you went a whole day without complaining about something? When's the last time you, did, you went a whole day without saying one Negative thing, ladies, about your husband. Man, when was the last time you said it went a whole day without saying anything negative or thinking anything negative about your wife? Man, it got quiet in here. Got quiet. Why? Because we struggle, don't we? We struggle. We struggle. We all struggle. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 2, And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses, against Aaron, the whole congregation said to them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or God we had died in the wilderness, and there, wherefore had the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, or that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it better for us to return to, unto Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us make a captain. Let us return to Egypt. They got to the place that they said, I tell you what, Moses has done a bad job. Let's get somebody else. It's our very nature when things don't go the way we think they should go. We play the blame game. It started with Adam. Remember, (laughs) where art thou, Adam? They found him. God found Adam and Eve hiding with fig leaves. They tried to work it out themselves. That wasn't going to work. There had to be a sacrifice. They were clothed with the skin of animals. The first shedding of blood in the in the in the. In the history of the world, was there because of Adam and Eve's sin. It was a picture of ultimately what would happen at, in the, at the cross when Jesus Christ died for our sins, so we could have everlasting life. His blood covered our sins. God took the life of an animal to cover their sin. What did what did what did God what did Adam say to God when he when he asked him what happened? It was the woman thou's given me. And then what did Eve say? It was the serpent. And I've said before, the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. (laughs) He couldn't say anything. He was done for. How often do we blame others for our problems? It's somebody else's fault. Oh, if I didn't have this job. If I didn't have this sickness. If I didn't have this pain. If I didn't have this problem. If I didn't have this debt. If I didn't have this car payment, if I didn't have to pay taxes, oh, some of you just did your taxes. That hurt you right there, didn't it? See, when we get into all that, if, we, if I didn't have to, what are we saying? You know what we're saying in essence? God, you're not fair. God, you're not fair. We think that, but friend, we, in reality, we know he's fair, don't we? We know he's true. We know he's honest. We know he's good. Has God never been good to you? Has there ever been a time in your life when God has not been good to you? Name a day. Name a situation. Name a circumstance. Name a time. Name a place. When God has not been good to us, then even through our problems, it's been for the best of us. It's been for the best of us. Oh, Pastor Pirate. A pastor went to school with him Ron Hamilton got cancer in his eye <clears throat> you can read the story Shelley Hamilton talks about it in her book about his life young man at Bob Jones University talented gifted young family had so much to look forward now he has cancer in the eye <laughs> What's it going to do? It's going to mar him. It's going to make him, he's going to stand in front of people. And how are the people going to look at him? How are they going to respond to him? How are they going to respect with this one-eyed man? And somehow, in some way, I forget exactly, got the idea, I think, from a kid to put a patch on his eye. How could he ever know because God allowed cancer in that man, Ron Hamilton, to put a patch over his eye that they would call him Patch, the pirate? That was many years ago. And how many thousands upon thousands and thousands of kids have been impacted because God allowed cancer in the eye of a man and instead of getting bitter about it, he got better. And instead of blaming God for the pain, he used his pain. He used his problem and allowed, to, allowed it to minister to to thousands and thousands maybe millions of kids I remember when my kids were little we put patch the pirate songs on we'd be going down the road put the patch the pirate cassette on be singing them and playing them and even in our own church we have patch the pirate kids program on Wednesday night The circumstances are going to happen the same way in your life how are you going to respond to it the temptation is going to get mad to get mad to get bitter To blame, to get upset, to get off track, to murmur. Give you some insights on murmuring. That the root of all murmurings is a distrust and um, unsubmissiveness towards God, goodness, and power and will. Exodus chapter 16, verse 8, Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you the evening flesh pot, the morning bread to the full, and to the Lord heareth your murmurs, which you murmur against him. What are we? Your murmurs are not against us, but against the Lord. Secondly, murmurs indicate they were forgetful and ungrateful for God's previous blessings and provision. Psalm 106, verse 7: Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remember not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Thirdly, murmuring expresses itself in false accusations and undeserved reproaches. Moses and Aaron were not to blame. They were simply following God's will. Fourth, murmuring sidetracks us from effective solutions for our problems. Problems. with. Paul says, I have learned Then whatsoever state I am, wherewith therewith to be content. I know how to, to be abased, I know how to abound, and everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Most people seek contentment in things possession. When I say most people, this includes some to us as Christians. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said unto them, Take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. 1 Timothy 6, 8, Paul writing to Timothy, having food and raiment, food and clothing, let us therefore be, let us therefore with content, be content. It's a learned, You have to learn it. Many times we fall down. We're not content with what we have. We want more. We see an advertisement on TV. I got to have it. (laughs) You start scrolling through your social media. Something pops up on Instagram. Ooh, a new gadget. (laughs) You got gadgets in your garage you haven't even unpacked yet, and yet you want another gadget or gizmo or pair of shoes. (laughs) You haven't even worn what you got. Ah, uh, yes, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> We're the same way. The word content was used by the Stoic school of philosophy, and it was one of the favorite ones. The highest aim of the Stoic was to be self-sufficient. He desired little, did not possess very many things. The Stoic would say, I will be content by the act of my will. <laughs> they try to just suffer through it. Contentment was considered a human achievement. For Paul, however, it was not something he did on himself. It was a gift of God. It's a gift of God. God gives you contentment. It's not a stiff upper lip. It's not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not trying to make it happen. It's being content with the very will of God. Though you have everything (laughs) or though you have nothing, though you have much. Or though you have little though you're in the palace or though you're in prison you're content because contentment isn't about what you have contentment is about who you have because with Jesus you have everything but without Jesus you have nothing with Jesus in a right relationship with Him, you have peace because He's the Prince of Peace. Without Jesus in a relationship with Him, you have turmoil and soil, uh, sorrow and trouble and difficulty and pain. What did I see in most of the eyes of the prisoners I saw the last two days? Pain. Why? From a decision after decision after decision after decision to to stay away from walk away from God's will in their lives. that's what life will bring you if you walk away from the will of God it's just gonna bring you pain it's just gonna bring you sorrow it's just gonna bring you grief. it's just gonna bring you regret and the farther you get down that road the more pain and suffering and regret you have that's why God doesn't say live in regret God says repent turn turn away from your troubles your sorrows your sins you're lying, your mistrust, your unbelief. and turn to me. Turn to me. Turn to me. Instead of complaining and murmuring about their current circumstance, they should have been as they started to praising God that they were no longer in Egypt. Dear friends, we ought to get down on our hands and knees and praise God every day that I, we don't have to go to hell. We ought to praise God and thank God every day that our sins have been forgiven. We ought to thank God and praise God every day that we have a home in heaven that's been prepared for me and you, a perfect place, with no cockroaches, praise God, and no fire ants, or no, weed or no weeds, or no mold. <laughs> if you live in Florida, you will have all three, even though you don't even know it yet. <laughs> I've been a million-dollar houses I looked over to the side cockroach <laughs> cockroach million-dollar house right in a beautiful place contentment contentment is accepting whatever circumstances God has allowed in my life contentment is an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of our outward circumstances you said, only if my circumstances have changed well how did Daniel do in that situation where he was made a eunuch he would never have a family ever. He would never have a wife. He would be taken to a strange land, different religion, different name. and he would probably die there. What did he do? Get bitter, get mad, blame his circumstances, blame his parents, blame, blame his God? No. You know what he had? And you know what he had in Babylon? He had an excellent spirit. You know what he had he had an attitude of gratitude that's why the that's why, that's why the king of Bama can look at him and say who am I going to choose out of these men to tell me the truth this man Daniel that even though he's from Jerusalem well, I'm sure they thought not too <laughs> negative things about he's still humble submissive has a good attitude I'll choose him and God worked through his life You think God would allow Daniel to be an interpreter of dreams if he was bitter and angry and mad? Joseph, he's cast in a pit, taken (laughs) taken down to Egypt. I'm bitter at my brothers, man. The bitter brothers did some bad things to him. But you know what it says about Joseph over and over and over about him? God's hand was on him. God's hand was on him. Why? Because he, he wasn't bitter. He trusted God. And believed in God, the God of his father, the God of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. He believed him, though he couldn't see it in the circumstances. And dear friend, through the circumstances of life, they're gonna change, they're gonna fluctuate. You're gonna have, you're not gonna have. You're gonna be well, you're not gonna be well. Things are gonna go good, things are gonna go bad. I cannot look at the next 20 years in America and say things are gonna go well for us. I could not say that for us. Unless there is a national revival, we are in serious trouble in the United States of America. We are in serious trouble. Unless God gives us a space to repent and a national revival happens, we are coming towards the end of our days as Americans. I believe that with all my heart. Just look at the signs that they're all around us. But what are we going to do? Prices get worse, complain about it government gets worse argue about it get in our soapboxes and say so-and-so is better and so-and-so all the while people are dying and go to hell no dear friends, with the focus on the main thing men and women are dying today and going to a devil's hell let's focus on that let's focus on praising God thanking God even through difficult circumstances contentment is not it's not apathy or foolishness it's a quiet rest rest in the midst of changing events godliness with is, is wealth you have that is independent of your checkbook of possessions contentment is being satisfied with what God has provided for you contentment is found in making the Lord the Shepherd of your life how do we do that how do we be content can I give you some practical points as we close this evening First of all, we must be direct. We must must focus on what God has already allowed us to have. Be direct. What has God already done for us? Remember that old song, "Count Your Blessings," name them by one one by one. What what has God already done for you? Well, He saved you. (laughs) He separated you to the gospel. Hope He's given you a purpose. Hope He's given you a plan. He's provided things for for you. We must, must disregard, must, we must disregard what we do not have. We must focus on what God how allows us to have and not focus on what we don't have. Daniel Webster stated, "If you want to feel rich, just count all the things you ha- have that money can't buy. Money can't buy peace. Money can't buy, clear conscience. Money can't buy a good marriage. <laughs> I know a whole lot of people have a whole lot of money, but a whole whole lot of bad relationships and family. Money can't buy peace and joy and love and contentment and goodness and faithfulness and righteousness and self-control. No, dear friend. All the money in all the world cannot buy those things. You have them, and they're free. God, goodness to you is free. God's mercy to you is free. God's kindness to you is free. God's grace to you is free. <laughs> Redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is free. The greatest things in life are free. They're free. We must be direct. We must disregard. Stanley Jones tells about a poverty stricken man who was unexpected. Who had an unexpected guest stop in for the night. He scored the, the guest to a humble accommodation in the hayloft of the barn and said, If there's anything you want, let me know, and I will come and show you how to get along without it. <laughs> how to get along without it. There's so much talk. There's so, there's so much we think we need but really could do without. Contentment teaches us to do without. The person who depends on material things for peace assurance and happiness or satisfaction will find he was never really satisfied because what happens when those things are taken away we must decide we must be direct we must disregard we must decide the most important question in regard to our happiness is not what things do I possess the key question is what possesses me what do I have to have, I kind I have the Starbucks coffee? Does it possess me? I have to have my Netflix, does it possess me? I have to have my porterhouse steak, does it possess me? I have to live in such and such a neighborhood, I have to have such and such many friends on Facebook. I have to have such and such many likes. I have to have such and such many handshakes on Sunday. I have to have so many people tell me I look nice. Not what you have. What possesses you? What possesses you? We must deduce and digest. We must understand God's principles of money and things and contentment. We must understand the source of wealth. 1 Chronicles 29, 12. Both riches and honor come unto thee, and thou reignest over all, and thy hand is power and might, and thy hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, O God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after the sword? For all things come of thee, and of thine hand, thine own have We given thee. You you and I must realize that everything we have comes from God. It all belongs to him. It's all of him. You say, preacher, man, you can walk and talk and sing and sometimes and think and feel and touch. Yeah, but only because God allows it. All of us have the breath we have because God allows it. It's all because of him. It's all because of him. We must deduce and digest the sources of our wealth. Secondly, the shallow significance of riches. Proverbs 11, 4, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivered from death. Matthew 16, 26. For what is man profited? He shall gain the whole world and lose his soul's soul. soul. What, shall, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Could Frank Sinatra, with all his money and wealth, buy his own soul? Could Bill Gage, with all his money and wealth, pay for his soul? The richest man that ever lived couldn't even touch the price of one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Not one drop. Because it's priceless. We must seduce and digest the source of wealth, the shallowness, significance of riches, the shortness and swiftness of riches. Ecclesiastes 5.10, he that loveth silver should not be satisfied with silver. Nor he that loveth abundance with the increase, this also is vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? The servanthood of money. 1 Timothy six seventeen. Charge them rich through the world, that they not be high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good. They be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may hold on eternal life. We must seek the Lord instead. Psalm 119, 36, incline thy heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Proverbs 19:1 better is the poor that walketh in integrity, than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. What is the secret of contentment? Contentment. Again, 1 Timothy 6.10, having food and raiment, let us be content. Instead of focusing on our wants, may we focus on our needs. What do we need? What do we need? Proverbs 16.9, a man's heart divides his way, but the Lord directed the steps. Jeremiah 10.23, O Lord, I know the way of man is not himself. It is not a man that walketh to direct his steps let me ask you a question tonight are you content I didn't say are you spiritually content you should never be spiritually content you should want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ but are you content are you always pining for more are you content in your life could you honestly say in this church tonight before God that you are content, or are you? Oh, I wish I had a better husband. Oh, I wish I had a better wife. Oh, I wish I had a. If your days are filled with "I wish I had a," dear friend, you're not content. You're not content. And dear friend, if you live that way, you will never be content, and you'll walk this earth miserable, and sad, and lonely. Because the most miserable person is a certain person who's murmuring because they don't have so and so. And anybody with a lick of sense doesn't want to be around somebody who's always murmuring that they don't have such and such and so and so. That is the most miserable creature that walks the face of God's earth. Don't be that person. Choose to be content with God and His grace. And his goodness and his riches that money can never buy. Father, thank you, God, for your goodness, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for giving us so many wonderful things. Most importantly, thank you for salvation. Thank you, Father, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, your son, to die on the old rugged cross, to shed his blood, to pay for my sin. We realize this evening that we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's nothing we can do to pay for our salvation. We realize the truth of the the verse for for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The only way we'll be saved, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, because God so loved us. I wonder today, do you know for sure if you were to die the day you'd go to heaven? Dear friend, you cannot be truly rich without knowing Jesus Christ. Oh, you might be rich with things. You might be rich rich with stuff. You might be rich in relationships. But you can never be truly rich without knowing and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Christ is all the riches.